On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with Caitlin Jorgensen from Custody Peace about Kim Kardashian and the post-separation abuse tactics of Kanye West. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. With me today, I have Caitlin Jorgensen. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am good. And for those that don't know you, you are from an organization called Custody Peace, which can be found at custody-peace.org. And Custody Peace is a not-for-profit in progress, and the aim of your organization is to have a a more trauma-informed, evidence-based legal system, and for you to support uh, the person and their children, and to have them be safe and to have them be peaceful and thriving. And your website is very thorough in the sense of just the amount of – if people want to find articles about post-separation abuse, you know, go to your site. You have so many different links for people to go to. And I found you on Instagram because – a post flashed across my screen on the Explore page. And we're going to be talking a lot today about post-separation abuse, but we're going to use pop culture as a way to explain a lot of things. And what popped along my screen was this article about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. So uh, I went and I, I started reading, and what I noticed in this article is that Yes, you were talking about stuff that was going on in the moment uh, at the time where some people might say, hey, you know, this isn't post-separation abuse. This is just what happens after divorce. But what people don't know is that you and your organization a long time ago posted an article saying when this divorce is about to happen, these are the the post-separation abuse tactics that that Kanye West is going to start using and all these things started coming true. So we're really going to get into the nitty gritty of that. A lot of stuff about post-separation abuse. We're going to discuss, you know, bipolar disorder, when abuse begins, when, you know, taking responsibility for yourself, things along those lines. So I really want to thank you for being here with us today. I I just went on a long spiel and now, uh, you know, I'm going to just, you know, have you explain what your organization is uh, and what your, your goals are. So uh, our, our organization was founded in 2019. Uh, We are what I refer to as a survivor led research based trauma informed organization You mentioned that our website has many links, and that is deliberate, uh, because we have set out to not only educate the masses, but to do so in a way that's research-based and where we cite not just our opinion, so to speak, but the data behind that opinion. 
Um, that has been very important to us because we have noticed a pattern, um, particularly within the family court system and those who work within it, that there's a repeated um, attempt to victim blame uh, those who entered the family court system. Uh, we find that they are often not taken seriously. And so one of the ways that we're trying to uh, trying to create an environment where victim blaming is not ex acceptable is to, to make the information readily accessible and easily digestible. And that's actually why we started writing about Kanye West. Um, you're correct. We did predict some of his behaviors towards the end of last year. Uh, we noticed, you know, some escalation patterns on his part. And we had some internal talks and just decided, you know what? He's one of the biggest stars in the world, as is his wife. Uh, we are trying to address this pattern of abuse and call it out. And so we are going to ensure that we do so, uh, you know, in an ethical way. We're going to show his pattern of behaviors First and foremost, because we all know Kanye West, um, I believe self-admittedly, has had some mental health issues. And so we wanted to make very clear under no certain circumstance should he be excused from the patterns of behaviors that he has been engaging in under the guise that he has a mental health condition. Um, I want to make very clear that mental health conditions and post-separation abuse are two wildly different things. Um, certainly, a mental health condition can exasperate abusive behaviors and can cause someone to be more inclined to be reactory and um, potentially physically violent. However, as it regards post-separation abuse, there's no gray area there. Um, the behaviors you have to participate in under the umbrella of post-separation abuse are very, very deliberate. And that's why we started talking about him specifically, because he is participating in this type of abuse in an incredibly public way, without apology, without shame. Um, and that is very dangerous. You know, before we kind of get into what I think is just a great way to learn about this by using this situation and by using this, this, cause it's so public, uh, you know, whatever anyone thinks of Kim Kardashian and the Kardashians as a whole, and trust me, everyone, I have my opinions, <laughs> whatever you think of them as a whole. And, and what do you think of Kim Kardashian as a whole? Um, I, I I tend to look say I, I said this to someone the other day, and I don't know if I'm going to keep this in or not. But when it comes to you know someone who might be sexually assaulted, and someone says, "Well, look at what that person wore," that just bringing that up isn't an excuse for being sexually assaulted. So whatever you think about Kim Kardashian and her life and her choices or how she leads her life being the most recognizable person in America, probably over the president 
of the United States, you have to park that at the door and say that's what that person is. That's what they do. This is who they are. But in this situation, you know, we have abuse that's actually occurring and you have to kind of push that other noise away that someone is creating because that's just noise. And I hope I explain that in a way that's not insulting to anyone. Um, so, you know, now kind of going forward here, we have, uh, I guess, let's say we'll, we'll take Kanye West here and his behavior be even before the abuse began, before uh, you know, his marriage or during his marriage and who he is as a person. And I guess we'll just say like when it comes to bipolar disorder and where does bipolar disorder begin? Where does it end? When does abuse begin? In my own experience, I have some friends who have bipolar disorder and I can see firsthand how they are who they are and, and what their life is like. And they do the work. And part of having one of these types of disorders is doing the work. Were they once maybe unhealthy? Yes. That was at the beginning when they didn't know what they had. And when they got whatever diagnosis it was, they did the work. And doing, and it shows that they do the work and I know they work hard. You can see it and they are very, not that Kanye West isn't a deep thinker, but they're, they're the people that I know that are doing the work are medicated are, uh, really think of the processes that they're doing and they think of how their behavior is affecting someone else. And I think that is an important distinction that they know that they're affecting people's be- uh, like life and they, and they do their best and they really do their best to work on it. Acknowledging it is one thing, but doing the work is another. And I think that when it comes to Kanye West, he acknowledges his behavior. But does he do something about it is, is, an, is another question. I mean, uh, a long time ago, uh, someone, I think it was like maybe 12, it's a long time ago. I remember that song that came out, which was Runaway. Beautiful video as well. If you listen to the lyrics of that song, he's calling himself out about what a terrible boyfriend or partner he is. And to actually tell people to run away from him. And we hear a lot in the abuse community. They tell you what you are. They're telling you out loud. Like, and he does. Um, so along the way, he's been diagnosed. He knows what he has. Um, and you can now give us, I guess, some examples as well. As far as his behavior over time, as before we, we started this call, uh, how you found that his behavior was a lot of the time worse when it came to women and uh, women who were younger than him? So I believe that Kanye West is uh, aware that he suffers from a mental health condition. I think we've all seen him have those discussions publicly. 
And part of me is inclined to appreciate that, right? Because that is a difficult conversation to have. I want to show respect for those who have publicly acknowledged that they have a deficiency, so to speak. Um, Don't really like that word, but something that complicates the day-to-day life for them. Uh, That conversation should absolutely be something that we are able to have, you know, with celebrities and normal people alike. However, one thing that has repeatedly frustrated me with Kanye West and his, you know, public acknowledgement of his mental health condition is that he's one of the most powerful celebrities in our country. He's aligned with one of the most powerful families in Hollywood um, and has been for a very long time. And he seemingly does not make any effort to treat said mental health condition. In fact, he has used it to excuse away a lot of his behaviors. He has marketed it. And I want to be very clear here. He has marketed, he has marketed it as like a part of his business, part of his persona, part of his, what makes him the genius that he is. And I believe that that is very irresponsible and not careless just to his fans and those who admire him, but careless to his family as a whole. Throughout the years, he has seemingly struggled, particularly after the death of his mother. However, uh, he has struggled in public almost exclusively with young women. We all remember what happened with Taylor Swift. I think it was 10 years ago now. Now we have, within the last few days, you know, Billie Eilish. Um, Even when it comes to his private life, he's repeatedly called out his oldest daughter, North, his wife, Kim Kardashian. Um, He has publicly ridiculed and embarrassed Amber Rose, his ex, one of his most famous exes. I have not seen him deliberately attack, belittle, and intimidate any man like this. Um, So on top of my head, I can think that he did have some professional disagreements with Jay-Z, but that's all I can recall. And I think that that is very interesting because there is no... I I think there was one, like there's a beef maybe with Drake, possibly. Yes, in proximity and in connection with his wife. Yes. So his beefs are with when there's a beef with a man, it's because for the most part, and with Pete Davidson, when it is connected to uh, uh, the person of interest, his his the love interest of of his, and just going. I'm sorry for interrupting, but just going back to Amber Rose uh, with Amber Rose, uh, she's publicly stated like they they dated between. 2000 and somewhere around 2008 for a couple of years. Um, I don't know, 2008, 2010 or 2006, 2008, but somewhere around there. And it's like 10 years later and he still brings up negative things about her. She's moved on with her life completely. And he still finds a way to dig at her. And she publicly said, she's like, why is this? This was so long ago, but you know, he takes, he still finds a way even within his relationship when starting it with Kim Kardashian 
Uh, like I'm throwing away the trash over here. Like this other person is trash. You're great. You know, so um, it's interesting that when he does have a beef with a man, that it is because of a woman and that there are no other real beefs. And what, to me, what does that signal? To me, that signals that the women closest to him, he considers them heads. And if you have a problem with the woman he's with or you do something with the woman he's with, he considers it a personal insult to him because they're heads. Um, I think that that's very revealing. And when we talk about things like mental illness, especially in the context of relationships, I have learned to focus on those little details because those little details show a lot about a person's mindset, their character, their moral compass. And what he has been doing in the last few months, seemingly, is history repeating itself. He is publicly embarrassing his wife, who I would like to know, has publicly stood by him since she married him. She has never until very recently made any public statements about him that could be considered negative. And in spite of your opinions, <laughs> excuse me, of the Kardashian family, to me, that's very telling. She has been very loyal to him. And for him to publicly attack her, utilizing not just the press, social media, but her friends and family, uh, there's no mental illness that causes someone to do that. That is a very deliberate tactic to make someone feel isolated, to make someone feel like they can't trust their inner circle, uh, to make someone feel like they can't escape you. Um, mind you, he recently just bought a house right across the street from her. So be, wait, so, be, so before we get to the house for one second, we'll, we'll get back to the house. Let's first start here with, you know, the articles that you started writing when it came to start predicting his behavior and, and I guess the thought process that your organization had of like, this is how we're going to attack it. We're going to show that we know exactly how an abuser is going to run and we're going to state it all right now. And then we're going to be proven right. And which was a great way to go about it. So let's start with what you guys started predicting would happen and the behaviors that a post-separation abuser uses. So, Towards the end of last year, um, we kind of took the plunge, so to speak. Uh, we were originally hesitant to include Kanye West and Kim Kardashian in our platform, uh, as we were initially afraid that it would kind of cheapen our mes message. As I previously mentioned, you know, our organization is research-led. We share an immense amount of data um, with our users, and so... When we started seeing these public stories, we had an internal dialogue. Like, do we want to go here or should we just keep forging ahead? However, particularly towards the end of last year, his behaviors became triggering to us. We are a research-led organization and we would see the news. And we all felt like, wait a minute, 
we recognize this. We have endured this. This is fascinating to see so publicly and also see how the media is spinning it. They're calling it a custody battle. They're calling it a dispute. They're calling it, you know, just a failed marriage and painting him in a very sympathetic light. Um, so that really bothered us. And we just decided, you know, let's, let's create some posts about this to spread awareness of what behaviors he's actually engaging in. And so one thing that we did was we just put up Instagram posts originally. We did not create full-blown articles. And the response was overwhelming. You know, you mentioned that you found us this way <laughs> on your Explore page. Plenty of other people did the same. Um, and our followers really just encouraged us to keep going because it was very helpful for them in their personal lives to have this, you know, very wealthy, very famous couple navigating what they as regular people are navigating also but they don't have the tools to explain what's happening within their own families because their own families are traditionally taking sides. So this was a way to introduce a neutral party, so to speak, and to show everyone step-by-step step what he was doing. Um, towards the end of last year, he started mentioning that the children were being kept from him. And that is very typical of someone who's engaging in post-separation abuse. They will claim that the children are being kept from them once the other parent initiates a divorce. When that's rarely the case. Rarely the, uh, the safe parent is simply trying to create safeguards and routine for the children and wants the other party to have access to them in a safe, healthy, and happy way. And we saw this play out when one of Kanye's children had a birthday party. He went online and he said nobody informed him where the party was, and he's being kept from his children. That's his daughter's birthday party. How could she not invite him? And he went ahead and he contacted from what I've gathered, a majority of the family demanding to know where his daughter's birthday party was. And the address was revealed, which is a huge safety risk for anyone who's listening. Uh, that should not have happened. And he ended up physically showing up after causing a ruckus online. And it was later revealed through the press that he had previously agreed to having his own birthday party for her. So there was a previous agreement within the family that they were going to do two separate parties. And he made it look like he was being excluded and deliberately not permitted to be there when that seemingly was not the case. Um, this is how an unsafe parent creates a lot of chaos and a lot of uh, discord, not just within their immediate family, but extended family also and friends, of course. And this is what we call a Darvo tactic. A Darvo tactic is when somebody denies a behavior and they attack the person who's confronting them on their behavior. 
they reverse the role of victim and offender. And uh, they turn the actual victim into the aggressor, the offender. So what he did in this instance with the party is that he claimed he was deliberately excluded. He attacked Kim for excluding him and then made himself out to be a hurt, sad, and distraught parent instead of the person causing the discord. And then he said that Kim had caused that issue within the family and between his children, only for that to be revealed that that was not correct. Um, This, thankfully, is a very mild example of that. Um, This can happen on much larger scales where women who don't have access to resources actually end up going to jail. Um, I have seen women get physically attacked and when they fight back, the perpetrator calls the police. And by the time the police gets there, they say, you know, she attacked me. She's crazy. And she hit me and she scratched me. Look officer. And then before you know it, they're arresting her versus him. And it can result in consequences that are endless, like loss of custody of your children, being barred from your home, getting a restraining order that prevents you from being employed, legal consequences, financial expenses. Uh, This is a very common tactic, by the way, that is utilized to make the victim feel crazy and to make the victim feel like they have nowhere to go. Now, in this specific instance with Kim Kardashian, as I mentioned, her family was the one to reveal her ultimate location. And that is an indicator to me that he is very well versed in this type of manipulation, because even those who are closest to her are viewing him in forgiving terms, if that makes sense. So what are some other post-separation abuse incidents that have occurred? So right now, he is using the public to further manipulate her. He's writing posts about getting the family back together, um, saying, you know, he's sorry and he's involving God. And Mind you, this is um, two weeks after using social media to shame both his oldest daughter and Kim. Um, Now he's using it to try and get her back, I guess. Um, So he's really, he's really flip-flopping very quickly. Like one minute, she's the worst thing ever, keeping him from his kids. And the next minute he wants to get back with her. So to the right, like to the regular person, that black and white and that on and off line of thinking is very confusing. Um, And in terms of victimization, he's not answering any of her court petitions. He has publicly stated that he wants to, you know, like get back with her. Um, So, 
I'm assuming I can't speak for him. I can't speak for her either. But I'm assuming that in his inner circle and in his mind, she left him. And therefore, there should be a consequence. And he was a great husband and gave her everything, took her everywhere, gave her all the children. And therefore, she should do as he says. And because she's not doing as he says, she's the offender in his eyes and he's victimized. So a recent thing that is going on within their battle has been uh, North, their child, and the use and the argument of the use of social media. And people have their opinion of the Kardashians and just overdoing everything. And why does everything always have to be in the public eye? Don't you have enough money? You know, all of those things. You're already a billionaire. Do you need to sell more whatever type of thing you're selling or pitching to people? Why do you people need to do this. So to use a tactic of that is a common belief probably with a, a lot of people, uh, you know, why is my child on social media? Why are you letting my ch- It's not healthy thing to do. And, you, and that is something people and the public, because this is all done in the public, can grab onto and be like, this person's right. You know, that person, that, that child shouldn't be on social media. Whatever you think of the situation, that's a statement you can agree with. And you hear people in social, in, in, sorry, in, in Silicon Valley saying, like, I don't let my kids use these devices and things like that. So it, it's interesting to hear that. But when you hear that, you then have to sit back and say, well, does this person, while they're saying that they have the best interest of the child – Follow that themselves. Did they have the same thing? And one of the most terrible things a child can hear, if North ever hears it, is when Kanye West was in public. And I'm quoting here, I almost killed my daughter. So even if my wife were to divorce me after this speech, she brought North into the world even when I didn't want to. And that's just a terrible thing to put out into the world for your child to possibly hear. He said this publicly, mind you. Uh, Before North was on the internet, I think. Uh, And then, to you know, tie it back to what you were saying are his actions matching up with what he's claiming his wishes are absolutely not he was complaining that she was on social media he put her on social media to initiate that complaint he has spoken publicly about north in particular on and off for years he has utilized his music to communicate with the children and his wife. In addition, some of these matters can be addressed within the courts. Some parents in their parenting plan literally spell out what is permitted to be social, like shared on social media and what is not when it, as it pertains to children. 
some adults are even able to put in the orders what the other adult can say and cannot say <laughs> on social media. There's deliberate channels you can take to mitigate some of the things that he's claiming are an issue for him as a father. He has not utilized any of those channels. Last I heard, he's gone through three attorneys and 12 months time, and he has not answered any of Kim's court petitions. So what the North thing on TikTok was, what, two weeks ago now, a week and a half ago now? He's had all this time to get a lawyer and to file a response to her petitions. And instead, he's traveling, he's doing, promoting his new album, he's doing his Sunday service. His priorities are not lining up with what he's publicly stating. And that's a huge red flag. And, and another issue that has come up, which can be seen in a good light or in a bad light, is... Uh, him going to purchase the home uh, directly across the street from theirs. And you can see both sides of the story here in the sense of this person just wants to be closer to his child. But then you can see the side of the story of, well, this person is unhealthy. This person is exhibited uh, to have uh, no... Uh, boundaries in the sense of not caring what boundaries are. Uh, they've uh, publicly uh, come out and said that they would, in I think a song or something along those lines, that they would uh, beat up their current boyfriend, you know, because he's, thre he's threatened the boyfriend, which is currently Pete Davidson. And so you have this unstable figure now across the street. And now you can look at it from the point of view of, well, this person can now spy on me all the time. So how is this – is this like a tactic that you kind of saw coming? And what can one do about this? Because it can be seen in both ways. So we saw this coming, yes. We hear from protective parents all the time that and – it, and it's usually protective mothers – and we hear, you know, my ex moved down the street. I heard from a woman last month. I moved to a different country, and he followed me there. Um, he shows up randomly to school without any invite. Uh, I drive past him all this. These are intimidation tactics, and they're very common, usually you know, we're not dealing with billionaires who can just decide to buy, you know, massive properties in California or anything like that. But the imposition after separation occurs is the commonality here. Um, in addition, I would just like to point out once more, his actions are not lining up with his words. Uh, prior to purchasing this home, he lived in Wyoming, to my knowledge, for a very long time until she, she started trying to divorce him. Kim has seemingly positioned herself as the primary caretaker for the children all this time. He has lived elsewhere. He has not been in the home with his children. He has likely not taken them to school or done their homework with them. Are any of those fatherly duties that you would complete on a day-to-day -day basis? 
So for him to buy the house right across the street shortly after she romantically moves on, that is not the actions of a loving, co-parent, loving father. It is an intimidation tactic. He wants to make her uncomfortable and wants to make her feel like, like, hey, you can divorce me, but I can move right across the street from you and there's nothing you can do about it. And here's the thing. Uh, the courts can issue orders in terms of social media usage, who says what on social media, uh, when the kids are getting picked up, when they get, they can control those areas of your life. They can, of course, also issue restraining orders should she, you know, should Kim need one. But in terms of denying someone real estate, I haven't heard of that. There's nobody that's going to be able to intervene, which means that if she doesn't want to live across the street from him, she will have to move. And guess what? He tells us all the time that he's a billionaire. So who is to say he wouldn't just buy property across the street then too? Think about that messaging and how powerful that is, particularly for someone like him who was a teenager when she saw her mom's best friend murdered. I mean, we have to kind of look at the full picture here. She has already endured some trauma as a result of, you know, domestic abuse and bearing witness to that. He's likely hyper aware of that. He's also aware that just a few years ago, she was tied literally in Paris and robbed at gunpoint, I think it was. So she has survived a lot of things and gone through a lot of things that alter your nervous system. So he is engaging in these behaviors that, and I, I want to point this out, not only is this deliberate, but it's well thought out. Because as you pointed out, the average person will see an action like that and go, well, he just wants to be the most present father as possible. He doesn't want these kids to go through any more changes. He wants them to be able to just go to his house and her house freely. I mean, he has the money, so why wouldn't he spend it to secure his children? But has he until now shown really any interest in the children? No. Has he until now shown that he wants to be a dedicated co-parent? And father, no, he has lived in Wyoming. <laughs> so isn't it, isn't it peculiar to most people that suddenly she moves on and he turns up the heat? And to use the Darvo uh, methodology in the situation where I'm not sure if she challenged him as being a parent, but... Uh, when she says that she's the primary caregiver, which she's said, and that you know they're under, he has then attacked her, saying that uh, the nannies are the ones that raise the children, and not her attacking her parenting skills as if a way to 
undermine uh, parenting as a whole and, and taking care. You know, there's just it, – it's an attack that's going on. So when Kim Kardashian says out loud, I'm the primary caregiver, which is a fact. It's a truth. They're under her house. That is a fact. And it's it's not that it's accusational toward the other person when she states that. And his response to that is to say is to undermine her role and to have people, you know, there's a kernel of truth there. This is a busy, busy person. There's going to be nannies. But guess what? Guess who sleeps in the home with that person at night? Uh, guess who sees the other, you know, the other members of their family? They're they're they're, they're around. So it's a way to to, to attack uh, the other person and to have people not look at your own absence and thus using the rest of you know the Darvo um, uh, letters. Darvo stands for deny, attack, reverse victim, and offender. There you go. If he had been an active parent all this nannies the need from they're both professionals they're both entertainers so i'm not saying nannies would not have been a part of their family dynamic i can't foresee that however she would have had to rely on a lot less if she could have counted on their other parent being there as she worked as she contributed as she earned income as she tried to secure the family and and their professional opportunities. Um, It's very curious to me that he would deny that she's the primary caretaker, seemingly under the pretense that he earns a lot of money. I think that's what confused him, is that he has likely contributed to their life financially, but... He doesn't understand, particularly in modern terms, that parenting involves a lot more. And that was actually, as a single mom, one of the most offensive things he's done. Because uh, it's just, not only are you questioning your spouses or ex-spouses, your co-parent, so to speak, not only question their reality, you're publicly question the children's reality. They read that and they go, well, how, you know, how could dad say that mom is not the primary caretaker? I'm confused. And that's just not the type of confusion that any parent should set out to cause. So before we started our call, you told me that there was something called alienation distraction tactics. So tell everyone what that is. I'll try to keep it short, but when a when a father like Kanye accuses the mother of his child, so Kim Kardashian, of keeping the children from him, traditionally in a legal setting, that is referred to as parental alienation. And once an accusation like that is alleged, it's like all bets are off. The courts view that very offensively when a parent, particularly a mom, is allegedly impeding on a father's relationship with his children. 
Um, he has not outwardly come out with that exact terminology, but it does fall under the umbrella of the alienation distraction, distraction tactic because he's using the premise of I'm being kept from my children to distract from all of his abusive, unstable, chaotic, and unkind behaviors and risky behaviors. He has come out and he has said that she's allegedly accusing him of hiring a hitman to kill her. That is up to me, that is upping the ante. And that is creating a level of distress that a survivor like him should never, ever have to endure at any point. And the crazier he's getting, by the way, the more we are seeing the public say, see, that's what happens when a man is kept from his children. She wouldn't be going through this if she had made the children accessible. And this is very confusing because he's exhibiting the exact behaviors that would lead a safe parent to say, I need some parameters before I leave you alone with our minor children because I don't trust your behaviors, right? Um, I want people to consider for a moment that if the roles were reversed, if it were Kim was making videos about Kanye, was online accusing him of being this, that, the next thing, saying to the world her children were being kept from her, that he was just dumping the children with a nanny, uh, if she had bought a house across the street from him after he moved away from her or after he filed for divorce from her, like, let's say he had filed from divorce and all of a sudden she lives in Wyoming. What would Kim Kardashian do in Wyoming? You know what I mean? What would the public's reaction be? They would be offended. They would be alarmed. They would be like, something's not right with this woman. Why would she be separated from her children to begin with? And why do the children have nannies while she's out with her boyfriend traveling the world? People would view her as a neglectful, abusive parent if she was doing what Kanye's doing. Particularly after years and years and years worth of mental health disorders and borderline, you know, like violent behavior, aggressive behavior towards other artists, I mean, her career would literally be over. So I really want the collective to start to realize uh, or to start to think about why we afford men like this so much consideration uh, and so many excuses. There is nobody publicly saying to him, you have more money than any of us know what to do with, and you're harming your children. You need to get help, and you need to actively pursue it, or else. People are just partying with him, going to... He's, he's featuring, you know, accused abuser Marilyn Manson on his upcoming album. These are not liberties that Kim would be afforded at any given time, and rightfully so. This should not be encouraged or enabled 
by any stretch of the imagination, not for a regular person and not for a famous person. So a lot has happened since we did our initial recording in the lives of Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. So before we end off the show, I'm just going to kind of go through the things that have occurred since then. And Kanye West in this time has increased his memeing or joking towards Pete Davidson. And he's even made beefs with people who are associated with Pete Davidson and praying for Kim to come home publicly, asking for her to come back while publicly bashing Pete Davidson again. He also sent a truck full of roses to Kim Kardashian's house as you know, one of those last-ditch efforts to, to win her back, making it look like to the public that it's this Disneyfication of love, that he's trying to win her back, and that is being romantic. And people see it as romantic, but the reality of the situation is here is that it is post-separation abuse, and he's doing it all for show. And this is just, I guess, you know, a continuation of you know, threatening, stalking, harassing, and intimidating in the name of passion and self-expression, where a lot of people don't really realize what is actually going on. And if this was not a famous person, as we discussed earlier, and this person was not wealthy, these things would not be as accepted. But because they're so grand for everyone to see and this wealth is going unchecked and people seeing him as this eccentric genius and that this eccentricity is boosting his talent, et cetera, et cetera, things along those lines, that there's all these built-in excuses that are happening. And it's the trope of the genius artist who is allowed to be a jerk that is going on here. He's just, you know, he's portraying a man in love trying to win his former wife back. And as I said a couple of seconds ago or a minute ago, you know, it's a really Disney idea of things that people have in their head. And, uh, you know, other things that have happened within this time, he erased his whole entire Instagram and then put up one new post that said, I'm working on my communication. He doesn't really acknowledge any of his actions in there. He just writes, I'm working on my communication. Since then, that post has actually been taken down. And as of this evening, a new post was actually put up there where he makes fun of nicknaming Pete Davidson Skeet. Uh, so these things really haven't stopped, even though he said he's uh, going to stop these things. I'm working on my communication. It's all a lie. So his actions are not matching his words. And a quote here from uh, Tina Swithin from One Mom's Battle, who we've had on the show before, uh, says Kanye's narrative changes depending on the day. But the most recent theme is of a jilted husband who is in distress and mourning the breakdown of his Marriage In Kanye's mind, he is entitled to date and move forward, but if she tries to move forward a year later, he becomes unhinged and is openly threatening violence against her boyfriend. And I think that's really important for everyone who's saying that they're both dating in the public eye. 
Well, it took her a long time to date someone, and he started dating people right away. And as soon as she started dating someone, he is all over them. So I just wanted to point out that one last thing, because so much has happened since we did our initial recording here. And, you know, now I just want to thank uh, Caitlin for being on our show. And and now we'll find out where we can hear uh, what's going on with Custody Peace. Sure. So our organization uh, has actually very recently, within the last week, started to heavily focus on a piece of federal legislation that would limit post-separation abuse um, within the courts specifically. Uh, And that piece of legislation is the Violence Against Women's Act within that piece of legislation exists a law called Cadence Law which is named after a little girl named Caden, who was uh, viciously murdered by her father after her mother uh, pleaded with the courts for protection. They denied her that protection, essentially under the guise that Caden had a biological father, and therefore he had a right to her. And so... Caden was unfortunately left unprotected, and she died quite brutally. Um, And so this piece of legislation will be under the umbrella of the Women, or the Violence Against Women's Act. And specifically, most interestingly, um, it it would address some of the behaviors we've talked about today. Not Darrow specifically but things like coercive control, weaponizing the children in order to extract uh, essentially funds from the other people, like emotionally, physically, mentally abusing them through the court system. Uh, This is a whole different discussion, by the way, so I'm going to try and just stay a little focused here. But um, that piece of legislation would limit a parent's ability to do what Kanye is currently doing. So not responding to court petitions, engaging in abusive behaviors, weaponizing the children in order to participate in those behaviors, taking no accountability, threatening the partner of the new, like the new partner of the parent. Those are things that the courts could suddenly address right now, as it stands, The courts will listen to them uh, or will listen to that evidence periodically, but it's not guaranteed. These behaviors are not outlawed. It is not illegal to physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially oppose upon another within the family courts. Um, So we are lobbying very heavily for that. And then our organization is really looking to service the regular person, the regular protective parent. And we are actively in the midst of creating a support group that will occur, uh, hopefully that will launch within the next few weeks. And we really just want parents to have a place to go where they can find like-minded individuals and like-minded parents and just not feel alone. Uh, As I mentioned in the beginning of our discussion, enduring post-separation abuse is very lonesome. 
Traditionally, you lose your entire community to this type of abuse. You lose your job, you lose your friends, your family. Uh, you're really only left with your children most times, and sometimes you don't even have your children towards the end of it. And so we don't want that type of void to exist anymore. We want, we want people to have somewhere to go where they can hang on, so to speak. So that'll be launching within the next few weeks. And then we have some, uh, a lot of things working behind the scenes that I can't disclose currently. Um, this is all public, so I can share that with you. But we are really just trying to get the movement to a place where post-operation abuse is actively recognized within the courts, and not just within the courts, but within our communities as a whole. We do not want children weaponized. We do not want unsafe parents to have unmitigated access to vulnerable children. We do not want the ex-spouses or the ex-girlfriends, the ex-husbands, the ex-boyfriends penalized for wanting something different for themselves. And we certainly do not want to see mental health conditions weaponized. Uh, we just don't want to see these type of behaviors, this abuse, excuse, excused any longer. Um, our culture seems to believe that children genuinely need two parents. Um, it is my personal belief that that is not true. Children need healthy parents. And if someone is unhealthy and in an imposition and in an increased elevated threat to the family, they must be mitigated. So that is something we are working to create an environment where the courts and society as a whole prioritize child safety before anything else. Well, Caitlin Jorgensen... Thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your knowledge, sharing this very interesting way to learn everything and uh, for people to understand what might be going on with, within their own relationship uh, that they couldn't put a finger on, uh, couldn't recognize, and now they have a, a way to do so. So a big thank you uh, for, for doing that and for the people at uh, Custody uh, Peace, which can be found at custody-peace.org. Just a really big thank you for, for being here today, and we really hope to have you on again in the future to discuss uh, everything that's kind of going on in the legal system, the court system. I know that there's the Me Too Family Court uh, hashtag as well that you guys uh, are a big proponent of. So uh, just a really big, big thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your platform so much. And I look forward to talking with you again. And before we leave our show for today, if you want to be a guest on our show, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. On that Guest Form page, there's a lot of instructions. Please read the instructions and either fill out the Guest Form or email us at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Also, at NarcissistApocalypse.com, we have our very own support group. At the top of the page, there's a support group button, and it takes you to our very own safe social network where we have our own 
forum boards. We have our own integrated Zoom support meetings every Wednesday and Saturday night and Thursday afternoons, every other Thursday afternoon. And we also have ad-free episodes on there. We have episodes that never made it to air. And if you just want to support our show, please just support our show by joining our support group. So please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button there that says support group. Press that button and we will see you there. And another way to get support is to go to DomesticShelters.com. Org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone because at DomesticShelters.org, they offer you an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you are experiencing, and they can connect you with local resources and find ways for you to heal and move forward. So please do go to DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource today. And once again, I want to thank Caitlin Jorgensen from Custody Peace for being a guest on our show. And for myself and Caitlin, we hope you have a good night.